Good morning, dear friends. I uh, am so happy that we have uh, this opportunity to come together today. Um, but it's really a blessing to be able to be here today. I really appreciate being invited by the West Hartford, the Greater West Hartford Sangha. And uh, I know that all of you have, uh, not all of you maybe, but a lot of you have been through a, a very uh, unsettling week, perhaps in some ways. Um, I know coming from Rhode Island, we have hurricanes periodically, and we're uh, familiar with sort of camping out at home uh, for a while. And uh, <clears throat> it gives us a lot of opportunities to practice. Uh, I'm just really happy that we're able to be together today and uh, take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, uh, particularly the Sangha today. Um, it's a real blessing to just be able to stop. Uh, so to begin with, I'm just going to invite the bell three times, and we can take three breaths and a rub. Welcome again. The Sangha was kind enough to collect um, some questions for me. And one of the questions that came up, which I thought was a really good one, was what's the purpose of Buddhist meditation? Why are we doing this anyway? So um, I thought that might be a good place to begin before we actually begin to practice. Uh, to look at why is it, what are we doing anyway, and why do we do what we do? Um, let's see. One of, the, one of the basic practices, the very first practice before we do anything else, is a shamatha practice. It's stopping, calming, resting, and healing. Before we can do anything else, we have to allow the mud to settle and the water to clear and uh, be able to bring our mind, our body, and our breath all in one, to get us all present, all in one place at one time. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, I was offering a day out in uh, Cape Cod, I think it was, and uh, there was a woman there in her 80s, and we did outdoor walking, 
and I introduced it as bringing our mind and our body and our breath all completely into the present and not allowing our mind to go anywhere else. And when we got done, she was just euphoric. She was so happy. And I said, what's happening? And she said, I don't think I've ever been in one place at one time before. <laughs> so that's why we practice. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we practice, is to actually be able to be present for life, that we're not missing out on one minute of this precious lifetime. Uh, when we do our sitting meditation, we focus on our breath. The breath is always with us so that uh, um, we don't have to uh, worry about lugging around a laptop or lugging around any heavy equipment. We can simply uh, go to our breath. And Thich Nhat Hanh, I heard him give a wonderful talk last winter, and he said, um, we always talk about going to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha for refuge. And he said, some people haven't had an experience of the Buddha, the Dharma, or the Sangha. And it's just an intellectual idea for them. And he said, I just recommend that we go to our steps and to our breath. We all have the capacity. And he said, we don't have to practice for 30 years to get there. The breath is always available to us. Um, I did a day in New York City one time. and. Uh, about four days later, one of the men had been at the, at the day, uh, had, was brand new to the practice. He'd never done anything like that before. And I got a, fo a phone call at home. And he said, this is so-and-so. I was at the Day of Mindfulness. I'm in uh, Barnes & Noble's bookstore. And I just can't believe how well the breath works. <laughs> my breath, he said, I realize my breath is always here for me. Perfect. That's what we're doing. So we focus on the breath. Why? Because it's there. The other reason that we do that is so that we can develop our concentration. We can uh, deepen our capacity for concentration. That um, every single time we notice that our mind has gone off in a million directions and we bring it back, we're strengthening that capacity to come back and to choose where to place our minds. Uh, I've spent the week being with a very, very good friend and an order member who's dying. And... Um, it's been so beautiful to watch her in the last year and a few months. Um, there have been very, there's been very little time wasted by her. She has really not allowed her mind to go off into fear and speculation at all. She enjoyed every minute that she could possibly enjoy. That's the product of the practice. That's what we are able to do when we're able to choose. Um, Right after massive surgery uh, last summer, she uh, had people from the Sangha spending the night with her uh, so that she could just feel safe. And uh, people were taking turns staying overnight. And I said, how's that going? She's so wonderful. And this is right after this enormous surgery she had. And she had, a, she had ovarian cancer, which is a, a very difficult uh, prognosis. So. Uh, the fact that she was able to simply be enjoying. Uh, she said, Claire came over and we read poetry to each other all night. It was so wonderful. And then Sue came over the next night. She buys vegetables for the co-op and we talked about our mutual love for vegetables and made a big rat tattoo and we even had some in the morning for breakfast. It was so good. You see? That's why we practice. So every time our, our mind goes off into other places, we notice and we bring it back. Develops our mindfulness and our concentration. 
Thai tells us that our concentration is what gives us free will. That uh, we feel like uh, karma is uh, fatalistic. That uh, um, if I did something terrible in my past life, I'm paying for it now. That kind of thing. When in fact, what allows us to uh, have free will and not simply create more unwholesome karma is concentration. We've been conditioned, we've developed habits of reacting. You hurt me, I'll hurt you, you I hurt you, you'll hurt me back, that sort of thing. When we can be mindful and we can develop our concentration, we can see that clearly and we don't react. We can stop, breathe, and be with those feelings instead of reacting. That allows us not to be creating any more unwholesome karma. So that's what allows us to have free will. Um, we also are practicing our sitting meditation in order to, uh, uh, I feel, it helps us to develop our compassion. Uh, Buddhist practice, the purpose, somebody said, what's the purpose of Buddhist meditation? Uh, we get to be very familiar and uh, much more aware of ourselves. What has been our conditioning? What has been our, what are our habits of mind? When we sit and we see that our mind constantly is going to planning, that I, my mind is constantly agitated, that I uh, am constantly in a place of regret, whatever the habit is, it informs us as to what, what we're carrying around with us. We become more and more self-aware so that we don't have to be driven by those things. Instead, we can choose. Okay? And um, when I say it helps us to develop our compassion, in my own experience, uh, that's what I found, that um, uh, I was raised with a lot of seeds of criticism and judgment being well watered in me, and particularly for myself. So I had uh, big obstacles when I first started was that I would uh, find my mind going off in a million directions and I would be critical of myself. I think everybody else can do this. You can't do it. What's wrong with you? Da, 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 the usual. And when I finally was able to watch my mind go off and, and recognize it simply as being uh, typical of a human mind to do that, that I had something in common with 100% of human beings it was just a mind being a mind, and all I needed to do was bring it back again. I didn't need to make up a story. I didn't need to uh, get into self-flagellation. I just needed to recognize it and bring it back. And uh, when I was able to do that and to develop that kind of gentleness with myself, uh, I could feel the compassion. I felt compassion for myself and everybody when I can recognize we're all in the same boat. So it's a good opportunity for us to develop our compassion. It's also, for me, and I can, all day to day, I, I'll be speaking of, from my experience. That's my, my limited experience is what you will be able to uh, hear about. Uh, but in my own experience, what I found is that um, it helps us to develop our courage and fearlessness. Um, and I found those two things to be really critical to the practice. If we're going to do any of the rest of the practice, we really need to be able to develop those qualities in ourselves. Um, the, the reason being, the first noble truth that the Buddha taught was that suffering exists. And uh, suffering, uh, we like to equate it with uh, people starving in another country somewhere else. And if that's not us, then we're not suffering. So we don't recognize the suffering. What the Buddha was actually talking about 
and uh, some of you have already shared this with, but um, only about a year or so ago, I guess, uh, I've been reading these texts for a long time, and uh, I kept reading that uh, uh, suffering is actually, comes, is from the word dukkha, uh, was the word for suffering, and that the direct translation would be unsatisfactoriness. And I'd read this a million times. I'm, yep, 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 yep. It's you know, getting caught in signs. So it's like, yep, suffering is uh, it's unsatisfactoriness. And uh, finally, a light bulb moment happened. And I thought, oh, that means unsatisfactory is really an opinion. So it's simply my opinion. That my opinion of what's happening is it's not satisfactory. And my opinion counts for nothing in the greater scheme of things. <laughs> Imagine my surprise. Um, but it was very freeing because I can change my opinion. Uh, and what the Buddha taught us was that uh, uh, what we always want is we want things to be different than they are. He said the biggest illness among human beings is our unwillingness to accept what is. And whenever I offer that to anybody, I can feel the fear come up immediately. What do you mean accept? The world is a mess. I'm a mess. Everything needs to change. We all need to get better day by day. What do you think there are all those self-help books out there for? Right? When the sad truth of the matter, and I really hate to be breaking bad news to some of you who have been suffering all week, but the, 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 the sad truth is that um, whether we're satisfied or not, and whether we're accepting this or not, right now in this moment is as good as it's going to get for any of us. So if I'm resisting this present moment, if I'm sitting here going, yes, but it would be so much nicer if, and I know that the traffic lights aren't working, and I know that, <laughs> and I haven't had a shower in how many days, um, you know, whatever it is that's the uh, background noise in our mind, that's really what the unsatisfactoriness is in my own experience. It's that low-level agitation, low-level irritation, the unsatisfactoriness that the Buddha spoke of. And when, I can, when we can develop our practice, when we can do our sitting meditation, our walking meditation, the sitting meditation is like calisthenics. It's like going to the gym in the morning. You do your workout. Why? I think there are probably a zillion reasons. But if, for my purposes, it would be so that when heavy lifting was needed, I would be capable. Right? That would be the very um, basic reason for wanting to get strong and healthy, other than to attract women or men or get married and have babies or whatever our motivations are. I don't know. But, um, but the bottom line would be that I want to strengthen my body so that when the going gets tough, it'll be there for me, that I'll be able to count on it. Same thing is true with our sitting and our walking, that we want to strengthen our capacity so when the going gets tough, we're going to be able to, to choose. Okay? Um, and when we get to know our minds and we can see this low-level agitation, low-level irritation, for one thing, we need to meditate on impermanence. Right? I've been with my friend who's dying all week. Mm puts things in proper perspective. How many things do I want to let irritate and upset me? How many moments of this precious lifetime do I want to spend there? How many moments of my life do I want to let people I don't even know who cut me off in traffic get me upset? 
Mm. One minute would be far too long for me. You know, when I see people getting caught in little petty things, I tell Richard, I said, I don't think they know they're dying. <laughs> if they knew they were dying, they would never spend a minute here. This would not even happen. But this is the beauty of the practice, that when we do, and, and I really wanted to spend some time on that question because uh, I think it's a real important one. I don't want anybody ever to be going through the motions not having any idea why we're doing what we're doing. I think that uh, we need to be doing what we're doing with awareness. That's what mindfulness is about. And uh, I think when we recognize um, how much suffering exists outside of our own little low-level irritations, um, the world needs every single person at this moment to be as mindful and awake as we can be because there's a lot to be done. There's a lot of suffering that we can help alleviate if we first take care of ourselves and take care of our own suffering. So um, I guess the only other thing I would say about the sitting would be that we want to develop a deep friendship with ourselves. When I say it helps us develop fearlessness and courage, it's because we spend our life running away from all those things that scare us those really difficult emotions like anger and uh, sadness and um, hatred and violence and all those things that come up in us. We don't want to own them. We don't want to acknowledge that they're a part of who we are and they're a part of all of us. And so we spend our lifetime running as fast as we can trying not to be with any of those things. How many people I've heard from who say, oh, I can never meditate. My mind is just goes crazy when I meditate. Uh, it's just that we stop and have a ringside seat. You know, so that we notice how crazy it is all the time. And then, I don't want to meditate because all these difficult emotions come up. When I sit, I feel this overwhelming sadness. Or when I sit, I feel guilt. Or I, when I sit, it's not that meditation causes that. That's what's there. That's what we're carrying around. It just sometimes we'll be able to get some space to be listened to when we meditate. So, from, and what Tai tells us is that it's absolutely critical that we invite, say, fear up in us every day, that uh, we do the five remembrances so that we can invite fear to be up in us, we breathe with it, we look deeply in order to understand and he'd say, well, a bunch of masochists, you know, uh, what a way to begin your day, you know. It's, uh, uh, I'm of a nature, get old, sick, and die, nothing I can do about it, I'm going to lose everything, nothing I can do about it, and oh, gee, good morning, you know. Uh, <laughs> when in fact, what we're actually doing is reminding ourselves of our impermanence and uh, living mindfully, really experiencing all of the wonders of life, being able to be fully present for this experience. And the last is, um, uh, my actions are my only possessions. They're the ground upon which my, I stand. They're my continuation. My actions of thought, speech, mind, I mean of thought, speech, my body, are uh, my actions. And I need to be mindful of them. So I have a beautiful continuation. But that reminds us of our impermanence. So, um, when we can stop, we can meditate, we have fear manifest, we can look and say, fear, I recognize it. Right now, I'm going to bring myself back to my breath. 
uh, we could say anger. I recognize it. Right now I'm going to bring myself back to my breath. Every single time we do that, we're touching what we're afraid of. We're allowing ourselves at least to touch it. And then we're also training ourselves to know when I, when I feel that way, unlike what I thought would happen, I thought that if I ever touched that, I would never stop crying, that sadness. I thought if I ever touched that anger, I would be hurting somebody. Uh, if I ever really got in touch with how deep those feelings are, it would really be awful. I would never be able to function. I couldn't do what I need to do in life. I would be completely overwhelmed. We have all these fears that keep us stuck. And so when we can do the practice and we can allow those to simply bubble up, recognize them, bring ourselves back, keep doing that. When we do that recitation of those five uh, remembrances, Tai says we are inviting fear up every day to allow it to circulate. And every time we invite it into our mind consciousness and then we invite it to go back into the store, it's weaker. It gets weaker and weaker over time. We're not trying to get rid of it. We're not trying to disavow it, disown it, nothing. We're trying to develop a really good relationship with all the parts of ourselves. So they're not controlling us. That's what we do. So uh, when we can touch our fearlessness like that, uh, when we can touch our fear like that, rather, we develop fearlessness and courage. And uh, uh, it allows us to befriend ourselves. It's very interesting because I don't think there are too many of you that if you had a friend coming to you and say, I am so sad, I'm so afraid of crying. If I ever start to cry, I'll never, never stop. I just know I'll never stop. Uh, I doubt very much that you would run out of the room. But that's what we do for ourselves all the time. We abandon ourselves over and over again. And what we want to be able to do is be our own best friend. We really want to be able to befriend ourselves. So we want to be able to, instead of when our fear comes up, running out of the room, we want to be able to sit there and listen. What does it have to tell me? What do I need to understand? Understanding is the basis of love. So when I can understand myself, I can love myself a lot better. When I can do that, I can understand and love everybody. Because what we find in that um, inquiry is that everything that's in me is in every other person on the planet. Okay? So that's a very long introduction to sitting meditation. <laughs> but I uh, did feel that it warranted um, some attention because, uh, like I said, I think when we can do what we do with awareness, uh, we have a lot more fruitful practice. 